My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking about how God reveals Himself to human beings. Now, we know that we cannot see God, at least we can't see God yet. Jesus is in heaven, and so we can't see Him uh, today with our eyes, and we typically don't hear God with our ears ears. Now, some of you may have had an experience in your life where God audibly spoke to you, and that would be a special experience if you've ever had it, but that's not the primary way God speaks to us today. So the question is a good question. How are we going to hear from a God whom we cannot see, and how are we going to hear from a God who normally doesn't speak audibly? In other words, God speaks in different ways, and so what are these ways? What I want you to begin thinking about today is this. God is probably speaking to you, and you haven't even thought about the fact that he's speaking to you in the way that he really is speaking to you. Now, that was kind of a long sentence I had there. But what what I'm saying is that God, even now, through a lot of different ways, is in the process of saying to you that he loves you, that he has a plan for your life, that he knows where you are, he knows what you're facing, he promises to meet your needs, and you say, well, John, God hasn't told me any of those things. Well, he really has. It just may be that you're not listening, you're not paying attention. You say, well, how's God saying all that to me? Well, the first way that God is saying those things to you is through nature. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. The first way that God speaks to a human being is through the created world, through nature itself. We look out and we see the sun and the moon and the stars. We see the sky. And God, through that, is saying to us, I made all these things. I'm a God of order. I'm a big God. I'm a powerful God. And if I'm strong enough to make the world, then I'm strong enough and more than capable of taking care of what you might be going through in your life. And so I think every day as we experience nature, as we look at nature, we probably are so busy with our daily responsibilities that we miss one of God's clearest messages to us. In fact, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, consider the birds of the air. And he talked about how they don't store their food away in barns and they don't have a a plan for, you know, where they're going to get their next meal from. And yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. And so every time you see a bird, that is God speaking to you and God is saying to you, just like I feed that bird, just like I feed these birds over here who are traveling together, who are flying together, I'm going to feed you and I'm going to take care of you. So one of the first and primary ways that God speaks to us is through nature itself. Another way that God speaks to us is through his word, the Bible. The Bible is unlike any other book in all the world. Someone has said that in life we can read many books, but the Bible is the only book 
that reads us. Isn't that true? Sometimes we pick up our Bible and we read a passage of Scripture and we find encouragement or maybe we find conviction. Perhaps we find direction or guidance for a decision that we're about to make. That's God taking his his living word and speaking to us. This is why sometimes you can hear a, a sermon on television or on the radio or maybe at your church and you think, well, how did that preacher know what I'm going through? Who told that pastor what's happening in my life? Well, nobody told that pastor anything. That pastor standing up there preaching from the Word of God, and that book that he's preaching from has life, and the Spirit of God takes that book and applies it to your heart and to your situation. And so every time you read the Word of God, uh, God is speaking to you, and God is saying something to you. Another way that God speaks to us is through the Holy Spirit. Before we become Christians, the Holy Spirit convicts us. He convicts us of our sins and of the fact that we have fallen short of God's standard. And he, he reveals to us the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. And the Holy Spirit begins to convict us that we need Jesus to come and to live in our heart, to forgive us and to save us. And so, uh, sometimes God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Many times he does this. After we receive Christ, after we're saved, he continues to speak to us through the Holy Spirit, except this time he's speaking to us not from the outside, but from the inside. That's why, as a Christian, yes, we can sin, but we cannot sin without being convicted of our sins. The Holy Spirit is right there saying, what you did was wrong. What you said was wrong. What you thought was wrong. What you're thinking about doing is wrong. And the Holy Spirit convicts us so that we'll go God's way and so that we'll go that straight and narrow path that God would have us to walk. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will convict us about a need in somebody else's life. And maybe he'll encourage us to call somebody or maybe to give a financial gift to somebody. God just speaks, his spirit speaks to us. Sometimes God speaks to us through people or through circumstances. Now, on the sermon that we're going to be listening to today, it's actually a sermon that I preach in our church right before Christmas. And I know now we're several months removed from Christmas, but that's okay. We need a little Christmas throughout the year. And we're going to be thinking about how God revealed himself to people at the time Jesus was born. And I'm, what I'm trying to do in this sermon is to compare the fact that sometimes God reveals himself slowly and gradually, as was the case in the birth of Christ. He had made prophecies and predictions about the birth of the Messiah hundreds of years before they were ever fulfilled. So sometimes in our life, God reveals himself slowly and gradually. It's not immediate always, but sometimes it is immediate. Sometimes God reveals himself to us suddenly and unexpectedly. And maybe for you today, God will speak to you that way. But either way, whether God speaks to us slowly and gradually or suddenly and unexpectedly, God always speaks to us. He always reveals truth to us. He always tells us what we need to know right on time. And so I'm praying this sermon will be a blessing for you today. Whether God reveals himself slowly and gradually or whether God reveals himself suddenly and unexpectedly, God always reveals himself right on time. He's never early. He's never late. Let me give you a scripture verse. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, When the fullness of time had come. Say that with me. When the fullness of time had come. Listen to this. God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born under the law. And so in the fullness of time, it's like a piece of fruit. It has to be ripe. You eat a piece of fruit before it's ripe, it's not any good. If you eat a piece of fruit after it's ripe, it's really not any good. It has to be just right. It has to be just right. 
And it says, in the fullness of time. See, Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem, not too early or not too late, but he was born right on time. It's interesting, I was home yesterday and I was having my, I was just reading my devotion and having a very short, quiet time. And I'm reading a book this year by Billy Graham. It's called Wisdom for Each Day. And so I opened it up yesterday to December the 22nd, and I thought, well, I'll see what Dr. Graham has to say on today's reading. And the title of the devotion yesterday, God's Perfect Timing. God's Perfect Timing. I thought, I'm going to be preaching about that tomorrow. I'm going to see what he has to say. He used the verse I just quoted. When the time had fully come, he's quoting it out of the NIV, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Listen to this devotional. Someone once asked me why Jesus wasn't born many centuries earlier. In a less populated world, and at a time when he might have had a much greater impact. That's an interesting thought, Dr. Graham said. But Jesus was born when he was, neither sooner nor later, because God knew it was the best moment for him to come. Take, for instance, the fact that Jesus was born during the height of the Roman Empire. Unlike previous empires, the the Romans built roads from one end of their vast territory to the other. These highways enabled the early Christians to spread the news about Jesus throughout the civilized world in only a few decades, something they never could have done had Jesus been born earlier. Also, by then, by the time Jesus was born, the human race had tried all kinds of religions and philosophies, yet none had satisfied the deepest longings of the human heart or taken away the burden of guilt. Many people were now open to his message of hope and new life. And so in what we would call a delay, Isaiah said he'd be born of a virgin. Micah said he'll be born in Bethlehem. And yet centuries went by and nothing happened. And we do wonder, why the delay? And Dr. Graham says he believes one of the reasons for the delay is God was giving the human race time to try to find him in different ways. And all those searches came up empty. And so, he says, many people were now open to his message of hope and new life. And then here's the closing thought of the devotional. Know that God's timing is always perfect. It was then, and it is today. And so we have to remember that. Whatever we're going through, God's timing, it's always perfect. He's never early, but he's never late. He's always right on time. I'll come to the end this morning with this story. For many, many years... One of the most faithful families in our church was the David and Mary Spradlin family. They are some of our dearest friends, and it's just such a blessing to this church. In fact, when I used to be the youth minister here, you know, at, when you have all those kids in those different homes, the youth minister is supposed to go around to everybody's house and check in, make sure everybody's doing good. Well, Mary is a first-class chef. She's a great cook. She used to own a fine restaurant in Deer Park, and she used to make the best golden brownies that I've ever had in my life. And so every year at Breaking Free, when it was time for me to go to everybody's houses, I would always go to that house first and stay there the longest. And I said, I'm just here to check on the spiritual well-being of these students. Where are the golden brownies? And I would go in there and eat those brownies. They were wonderful friends. I can remember when one of my grandparents died, we went back to Atlanta, Georgia for the funeral, and we got to the funeral home that night, and there was a beautiful floral arrangement And it said, love the Spradlin family. And just knowing that they were thinking about us at that time meant so much. I would say about six or eight months ago, David made an appointment. He came by the church, met with me and my dad. And he said, well, guys, I've got some news today that 
Mary and I feel like it's of God, but we're excited about it for that reason, but there's just one negative. We said, what in the world's going on? He said, well, we feel like the Lord is leading us to go to the hill country and kind of build like a, a wedding venue and people can have weddings and receptions at this place we want to build and said it's been a dream of ours for a long time and said we're excited about that and he said but I've quit my job he retired from one of the plants and he said we're going to soon be moving well my dad and I did everything we could to convince him that that indeed was not God's will that they were stepping out of God's will to do that, but he wouldn't listen. He said, no, we, but he said, we're going to miss First Baptist. David worked in the baptistry for many years, helping people get dressed to be baptized. But he said, we're going to just miss the church. And so we had prayer, and David left the office, and my dad and I said, man, we just lost a great family. And even more important than that, we just lost some great, not that we lost them, but they're moving, great friends moving away. And so they moved away. Well, one of the, you know, there are always consequences to everything that happens, good and bad. Well, one of the kind of situations that created for the family is that for all, for all these years, David and Mary, every Sunday morning, brought their mom, Miss Bradlin, to church. And so when they were now moved away, she didn't really have any transportation to come to church. And so one of her other sons, Dennis, said to his mom, said, look, mom, I know David and Mary always took you to church, but my wife Sherry and I, we'll be glad to take you to church. We know you love it at First Baptist, and, and we're not members there, but, but, but we have a lot of friends. We like it up there, too, and, and we'll just go. And so they started coming. Dennis and Sherry would pick up Miss Spradlin every Sunday morning for the 930 service, bring her to church so that she could come to church. After the church was over, they would take her home, go to eat, whatever they did. And this just happened week after week, week after week, week after week. Now, again... Their reason for coming to church, it was honorable and noble. They were trying to do something for their mother and mother-in-law. But as they were here to do right by her and to honor her, they heard the gospel preached. They heard the Bible taught. And the Spirit of God began to work in their heart. And a few weeks ago, Dennis called the church office and he said, I'd like to make an appointment. I need to come up there and talk to John. Sherry and I both do. And so they came to my office on one particular day. And I said, man, I'm just glad you're here. And we just had the, had the best visit. He's a retired Houston police officer. She's a, she's a nurse at Texas Children's Hospital. Just a great family. And I'm asking all kinds of questions about their careers and everything. And, and then finally, Dennis said, John, I want to just tell you why we're here. And he told me that story about how they started coming here to bring their mom. And he said, you know, John, as we've been coming to church and hearing the gospel, he said, it's like God has been convicting us, like God has been speaking to us. And Sherry spoke up and he said, she said, this is exactly right. And one of them said, you know what I I need to do. I need to make 100% sure that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I've always believed in God, always loved God, always honored the Lord, but I'm just not 100% sure that I'm saved. And so on that particular day in my office, I had the privilege to lead Dennis and Sherry to the Lord at the same time. And earlier in the service today, they were two of the people who were baptized. Now you think about that. God's timing. Maybe David and Mary were right. Maybe they needed to move to Austin so Dennis and Sherry could bring Miss Bradlin to church. And David and Mary are here today, have come in for Austin for the baptism. I want to say to the two of you, mission accomplished, you can come home now. Because Dennis and Sherry have just been saved. And so you did what you were sent there to do. But see, God's always working. And I know there were probably multiple reasons where they felt like God leading them to go to Austin and do that. But one of the reasons was so Dennis and Sherry would bring Miss Bradley to church. And so they would come to know the Lord and they would be sure that they're saved. Sometimes God reveals himself slowly and gradually. 
Sometimes God reveals himself suddenly and unexpectedly. But God always reveals himself right on time. I'm telling you, when we think about the first coming of Jesus, it was right on time. When we think about how God reveals himself to us today, it's always right on time. And I'll tell you something else before I close this morning. When we think about the second coming of Jesus Christ, when one day Jesus will step out of that seat, he's seated in heaven, and when he comes and opens that sky, and the old song says, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Those of us who are saved will say, it is well, it is well with my soul, and we'll be caught up to be with the Lord forever. You say, John, when's that going to happen? I'll tell you when it's going to happen. Right on time. Not a moment early, not a moment late. You know, it says in the Bible that nobody knows the day or the hour. Sometimes you'll hear somebody, some preacher, some theologian, they'll, they'll pick the time. They'll say it's going to be on this day. They've got all these reasons. Going to be, but the Bible says nobody knows the day. If I were God and one of those preachers guessed right, I would change the date just to prove them wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you when he's coming back. He's coming back right on time. I want to close today. I know Christmas Eve is not until tomorrow. In fact, I hope you can all be here tomorrow at 4 o'clock. The Lord's Supper service is probably the most popular service we have all year. My dad's going to be teaching tomorrow night before we have the Lord's Supper out of Luke 2, 1 through 7. And that's why I didn't read that passage this morning because I picked up in verse 8. But if you'll be here tomorrow at 4 o'clock for the Lord's Supper service, it'll be a wonderful way to celebrate Christmas Eve. But, so this poem is called, "'Twas the Night Before Jesus Came." And so I want you to listen to this, and uh, even though we're one day away from that, it'll still make sense. "'Twas the night before Jesus came, and all through the house, not a creature was praying, not one in the house. Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without care, in hopes that Jesus would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing ahead. And mom in her rocker with baby on her lap was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there arose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but angels proclaiming that Jesus was here. With a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray, I knew in a moment this must be the day. The light of his face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning, just like he had said. And though I possessed worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. In the book of life which he held in his hand was written the name of every saved man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name when he said, It's not here. My head hung in shame. The people whose names had been written with love, he gathered to take to his Father above. With those who were ready, he rose without a sound, while all of the rest were left standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I had waited too long. And thus sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if only I had been ready tonight. In the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Jesus is drawing near. There's only one life 
And when comes the last call, we'll find that the Bible was true after all. You say, John, when's that day going to be? When's Jesus coming back? I'll tell you when he's coming back, right on time. Let me tell you, when he's coming back is God's business. That we're ready for his return is our responsibility. I'm saying to you today, I can't, there's never a bad time to get saved. There's never a bad day to give your heart to Jesus. I cannot think of a better time though than right now if you're like Dennis and Sherry were if you're like I used to be and you say I'm just not sure that I'm saved why in this world with eternity at stake and your soul on the line why in this world would you leave this place today with that decision unmade with our heads bowed and eyes closed do you know for sure that you've been saved? Do you know beyond the shadow of any doubt that Jesus is in your heart? When I was talking to Dennis and Sherry, I said, let me ask you, on a scale of 1 to 100, how sure are you that you're saved? Are you 100%? Are you 50%? What, what are, and, and, and I think it was Dennis who spoke up and said, John, I'm about 80 or 90% sure. I believe there are a lot of people who are 80 or 90% sure that they're saved. And I guess if you think about it, I mean, it's better to be 80 or 90% than to be 5%. But it's not anywhere as good as being 100%. My prayer today is that everybody would leave this room 100% sure that, that they're saved. And if you're not, would you pray this prayer all across the building? Pray this prayer right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to know that I'm saved. Come into my heart. Forgive my sins. And make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, Jesus. Right now, I ask you to save me. And I trust you to do it. Tell him that. That'll settle it. I trust you, Jesus. I don't look for a sign. I don't ask for a feeling. I stand on your word that if I would trust you, you would save me. I do trust you, Jesus, right now with all of my heart. I believe people have prayed that across this room today. If you did, I want to say congratulations to you. Today is your spiritual birthday. December the 23rd, you just were born again. Jesus has come to live in your heart, forgiven your sins. He'll never leave you. You're heaven bound. Now, your next step is to let that decision be known openly and publicly before men. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before the Father, if you'll confess me before men, one day I'll confess you before my Father and before His angels in heaven. And so that's why we have an invitation to give you an opportunity to come forward and to say to a minister, I just prayed that prayer and I want to let it be known openly and publicly. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Some of you have prayed that prayer before today, but you've never confessed Him in an open setting like this. And so today is your day to do that. Now is the time. I believe that. It says in the Bible, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Would you ask God to give you courage? It's not an easy thing. For those 14 people who came forward two years ago on Christmas morning, it wasn't easy for them. It wasn't easy for me when I did it. it. wasn't easy for Dennis and Sherry when they did it uh, a week or two ago. It won't be easy for you today, but it's the right thing. Would you say, God, give me the courage. Give me the courage to come forward. Well, if you prayed that prayer today, I want to congratulate you and assure you on the authority of God's Word that God has heard your prayer. He has answered your prayer. It says in the Bible that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so today is the day that salvation has come to you. I would encourage you to write this date down in your Bible or in some spiritual journal 
and celebrate it every year. It's your spiritual birthday. I would also encourage you to find a good church in your area, a church that teaches the Bible, a church that lifts up Jesus Christ and that teaches that He is the only way to be saved and He is the only way to have our sins forgiven and go to heaven. And get active in that church. Share this decision with a family member, with a friend. Share this decision in that church setting with your pastor and and with that church family. And I would also encourage you to visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. That's peacebybelieving.org. And you will find some helpful resources. We have podcasts you can listen to. There are booklets you can read on spiritual growth, on lots of different topics. And so spend five or ten minutes today on our website. Let us know where you're listening from. Contact us. Let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you'll have a great week.